0: Welcome to Raising OKC Kids, Conversations with Metro Family in Oklahoma City. I'm Erin Page and today I'm joined by Oklahoma State Superintendent of Public Instruction, Joy Hoffmeister, to talk about what returning to school will look like this fall for our more than 700,000 public school students. Thank you so much for joining me, Superintendent.
1: Thank you so much. It's great to be with you, Erin. Well, let's
0: start by celebrating our teachers. I have always considered my kids teachers to be superheroes, but as this pandemic interrupted our school year, the way they adapted to distance learning, providing my kids not only academic, but also emotional support was truly amazing. And I know that's true of teachers across our state. What made you proudest of our teachers as you watched how they adapted to continue supporting our students, even though they weren't together?
1: I was most proud of the way they had absolutely no time to prepare, but stood up the connection of remote learning, distance learning, moved heaven and earth to re-engage with their students. And they did that in very different ways from telephone calls or um, putting together um, and distributing packets that would reach students by mail or by bus delivery or pickup when they went through the line for meals at school or through many, many, many countless Zoom calls and um, Zoom meetings with their students. So teachers rocked it. I know there was very little time to prepare, but it was amazing. It sure was. So in
0: preparing for going back to school this fall, the State Department of Education just released Return to Learn, a framework for reopening schools. This provides guidelines and considerations for Oklahoma public school districts as we return to school. You mentioned in your introductory letter that schools do not have to act on every consideration in the framework, but instead should adopt the policies and procedures that are feasible for them. What are going to be the most important issues for districts to consider as they determine how to safely reopen our schools?
1: Well, it's a good question because it's going to need to be based on what is feasible practical and acceptable in each local community. And that is going to also be guided by what the path of the coronavirus looks like and those very important collaborations between school district and county health offices or the state epidemiologists. So we're we're uniting uh, those two entities in local context but we're asking them, bring in teachers, bring in families into that conversation, students as well, so that there can be one, an understanding of the need, but also some creative thinking about how to layer safeguards Mm -hmm. so that it makes sense to keep our school students and those who serve in them safer. Uh, And that's something that people are, are doing right now throughout the summer.
0: Absolutely. I was thankful to as a mom to have received a survey from our school district that was very thorough, asked a lot of really good questions, and I know I was grateful to be able to provide my input for our district. So this document is very thorough. It covers a lot of ground. I'll go through just a few of those here to give our viewers some ideas of what it does cover recommended face coverings for staff and students social distancing between students when possible in the classroom cafeteria gyms playgrounds and buses recommended alternate school calendars plans for delivering instructions on site via distance learning or both considerations to stagger the day students are in school facilities and potential for districts to adjust policies for absenteeism so what kinds of feedback are you getting from teachers districts and administrators about their ability to implement these recommendations
1: well we really focused on four main areas and the feedback that we're getting is that from teachers they appreciate that we put right in at the beginning and throughout how important it is to work collaboratively with teachers, even with collective bargaining, um, as they make those considerations for what is it gonna look like? Let's have these plans and conversations ahead of time. So that's some of the feedback that that we're receiving from teachers and from teacher organizations, but also from families, that their voice is a part of this. It is not gonna work if it is top-down instructions One person is not going to be able to think it through the way a mighty, powerful group of creative people that are practical are going to think about four areas. School operations, our academics and growth, whole child and family supports, and then finally, school personnel. We want to keep them safe as well. We can't have great accomplishments for students without great people to do that work and to bridge that. And and unite family with school.
0: That's great. So I read that the State Department is investing a portion of state elementary and secondary school emergency relief funds to provide a large number of Wi-Fi hotspots to districts at no cost in order to increase connectivity for our students. How else is the State Department helping evaluate the effectiveness of distance learning and any adjustments that will need to be made to increase that effectiveness if and when we need to revert back to it?
1: Well, we will need to revert back at some level, whether that's one family or a classroom, a pod, a hall, a whole school, maybe even a district. But what we know is we have this time to be ready. And right now, we can think about what we need to do for rural Oklahoma, uh, for those within our metro areas that, because of financial barriers, do not have access to the internet, just like rural has a lack of connectivity for completely different reasons. But we have to solve this once and for all. Um, I will not rest until we close the digital divide. All kids, should have access to the internet at home that is part of a strong vibrant competitive public education and it should be the right of every child and every community in my opinion it should be viewed like a utility running water electricity and digital connection when we do that we are really changing the trajectory of our students, their ability, their families' ability to continue education, uh, to retool and retrain at a time where we could be approaching 13% unemployment. And this is not just a child you know, student school issue, this is a family issue. And so this is a time to reach out to other agencies and of course the governor and his team with uh, Secretary Ostro are really working to make a difference and we are joining them in that work. So that's happening. But then we also are looking at now what? Okay, we we for when we can get that connectivity, we're gonna provide hotspots. Those are mobile Wi-Fi devices that go into homes. And one, you know, maybe not one in a home is sufficient. We might need more, depending on how many students are in that home. But providing those free of charge to districts, 50,000 of them, and then having districts pick up the cost at a severely reduced rate that we welcome of monthly uh, subscription to keep that going with some of these COVID relief funds so that we can bridge that where we don't have hardwired homes. So we're working in that as one example. The other I would give you is on the instruction aspect. So when students have to go back into a digital um, online format for a small period of time, or maybe some districts are actually building it into their schedule where it's a more regular routine so that when they do need that, if and when that occurs, they're able to shift very seamlessly. Well, at the State Department, we want to help by providing a tool. It's called Exact Path. It's individualized instruction that starts K through 12 and it begins where you are as a student, no matter what grade level you're in and how you answer some of the questions in math or reading, language arts. It will then create the exact path that an individual student needs to achieve grade level and then go beyond. So, this is the kind of work and tool that can be used in a classroom right now in a traditional setting. It can be used at home after school if someone wants to keep going or it can be used during distance learning, sudden unexpected interruptions and you never miss a beat. So this is one of the tools that we're making available free of charge to every district in the state. That's great.
0: Um, Our State Teacher of the Year, Gina Nelson, is such an advocate for the power of public school and children's lives as well as the need for trauma-informed care and mental health resources. She has shared that before we can expect students to really learn this fall, we are going to have to address the adverse childhood experience they've all shared of living through this pandemic, which has been even more traumatic for some of our at-risk students. So, how can schools be focusing on and offering enhanced services for our children's mental wellness when they return to school
1: thank you for this question because it really touches on a point that we can't ignore we can't just start back the way we have in any other year this is going to be very new and it's also at a time where we have a lot of other conversations going on as well around social justice, around racism, um, around our history in in Oklahoma that that hasn't been taught with the Tulsa race massacre. That we're changing that conversation. So not only do we have COVID, but we have a lot of um, social issues that that are dominating as they should. The news, but we also have Changes in family dynamics, with again going from four percent unemployment to thirteen percent, maybe fourteen percent by December. This this is very very disruptive, and causes a lot of stress in families. It's not just the disengagement from friends, uh, as peers in schools, and the disconnection of physically not being with teachers, but it's also what has occurred within families. More of our families are needier and we do have to have strategies. So we are doing that. And we have an, an office that is supporting the mental health aspect of, of meeting kids where they are. You, you, can't, um, you can't learn when you're worried mm-hmm. about real stress that's still going on. And you can't learn when you're hungry. So we're going to also think about the whole child, physical, social, emotional, and academic. And we are awarding um, incentive grants based on um, five areas of priority that we want our schools to focus on. And one of them is meeting the mental health needs. And we've got the professionals here at the department that are Uh, going to be going out and doing a lot of training throughout the summer to prepare for the fall.
0: That's great. Um, You mentioned it's hard for students to learn when they're worried. Um, And I know I have a very type A child who has been worried about falling behind and what she potentially missed at the end of the school year. Her teacher has been wonderful to reassure her that no one is going to be behind, that teachers are going to work very hard this fall to ensure that any lessons or skills missed due to COVID will be taught and students will be caught up together. Can you add some reassurance to parents on that note about how teachers will be meeting kids where they are, ensuring those missed skills are taught, and then anything parents can be doing over the summer months to help mitigate that typical summer slide?
1: Oh, thank you. This is a very important point and one that I don't think your daughter's alone in that mm-hmm. in that concern. Um, what we will do is to meet our kids where they are. And we also know that there is unfinished learning from last spring. And we just have to recognize that's a fact. Uh, we are building into our school academic standards for me- different subjects. Um, with a tool that the department has called a curriculum framework and it has embedded in that ways to uh, make certain that we know where our kids are but that we don't just simply go back to the previous year that we still teach the current year's work in a more concentrated way. We can accelerate where we have lost some of that uh, opportunity of time but not in a way that stresses kids. Mm -hmm. It's a way that you can lesson plan to accomplish this, and it can be done efficiently so that our kids don't feel that stress of trying to pack in too much. Um, We don't want them to feel that or to shoulder that, but we are working to talk with teachers to show them how we've provided for them scaffolding within the way they design their lesson plans to meet kids where they are and to close those gaps. But there are going to be some gaps in learning that are um, going to take longer to close than, than others. And that again needs to be individualized. So, this is where the Exact Path online tool is going to help with that. And we can even make that available right now in the summer if families want to get started.
0: That's great. Uh, You alluded to this a bit, but a priority on so many of our parents' minds right now is teaching our children about race. Having those conversations about what it means to be anti-racist and genuinely listening to and advocating for people of color. How can we do a better job in our public schools of teaching our students about the history of racial injustice in our state how to embrace those anti-racist values and actions and then how do we do a better job of supporting and elevating our students of color
1: wow you know i don't have all the answers but what i know we must do is to truly listen listen to our students listen to their concerns their fears give them the confidence that we see them, that they are heard and that they belong. We can create a culture of trust and respect within our schools where our students feel that sense of belonging, and that it's not just the student, but the family. And as we build that community, that can foster the kinds of courageous conversations that we need to have around complex issues around right now very emotionally charged issues that that must not be unaddressed that can't be um um even set aside because we don't know how to answer uh, it's our duty and our responsibility to to become to be there to be a bridge to a better place where every one of our students whether They are black students, brown students, students of different disabilities, students that have hardship, language barriers, um, special education students. All of our kids have a great need to be valued and to have fairness and equity. And so these conversations are not going to be one conversation. This is about creating a safe place to have ongoing dialogue and conversation and increase understanding and problem solve together and we are going to continue to commit to laying bare where we do have systemic racism where we may not even realize it's evident to others and it's we're blind to it we we as adults have to bear that responsibility And question our discipline policies. Look at raw data and and ask what what are the next questions that I need to ask based on what I'm seeing with these numbers. And I know that Oklahoma has a long way to go, but I do believe Oklahoma has the great promise in bringing the leaders in a lot of different communities to solve what hasn't been solved in Oklahoma for a hundred years or more. And when we think about, we're on the verge of the hundred year anniversary of the Tulsa race massacre. And our Oklahoma academic standards do teach this in a much deeper way and we we just adopted new social studies standards a year ago, and uh, we worked with descendants from the Tulsa race massacre and those who are historians of this just horrific acts that people in our community participated in or survived or or have a relative that didn't and we have to be um, honest about that history. It's the first step in healing.
0: I appreciate your commitment to uh, addressing racial injustice in in our schools and uh, and to teaching that very important history that uh, as, as a, a child who grew up here, uh, I didn't learn that in my history classrooms um, and I'm very thankful that my children will be different and that they will have the opportunity to learn. Um, Switching gears, we know that parents are their children's first and often their most impactful teacher. How can parents help prepare their kids for the fact that school is going to look and feel much different this fall?
1: Well, I think that's an interesting thing that parents can do. And and it is, you know, back to school time is a time where we have um, shopping for sometimes new uniforms or, um, or gear, and it's also going to mean conversations about how to think of others because often um, kids are healthy and don't know why a mask would be appropriate. Um, and sometimes that's just challenging and hard, but we do need to think about other people. We have both school personnel and teachers and students among us who are vulnerable, who are at risk. And if we are wise in what we do with washing hands regularly, um, wearing, wearing a mask in a very tight um, area like a bus, where we're in close quarters and we're gonna sit shoulder to shoulder. Uh, we could wear a mask and think about the other person uh, who has must ride that bus in order to get to and from school, but is living with a mom or a dad who's fighting cancer. Um, we we don't know the story of each individual near us, and my message to families would be equip your kids with a mindset of being courteous and thinking of other people and how to um, extend grace, and to extend patience, and that those are things that will help us stay healthier, and will keep people in our schools teaching who may have a lot of fear about what coming back into a crowded, crowded school might mean.
0: I love that message to teach kids about how we can care for other people, and that's a great way to put it. And it's a great segue into what we've talked to so many parents about is how vital it's been for them throughout this pandemic to remember to offer grace, whether it's to others, to their kids, or oftentimes to themselves. Uh, Patience is going to be key for all of us this fall as we head back to school. So when it comes to our teachers, how can parents best support their kids' teachers as our educators and support staff are navigating this new reality when we get back to school?
1: Mm, well, I think it's really helpful for parents, and I'm a mom of four kids that went through Oklahoma Public Schools, and I have a sister who's also teaching, and she got started teaching for the first time just about four years ago, so she is experiencing this um, and sharing with me as well, so I, I know that teachers are preparing all year, all summer, really, um, but to get ready for the new challenges of this fall. And I would, as a parent, ask your teachers what they need. Um, Do they want to communicate through text or telephone or um, through Facebook or through Zoom? Uh, But I, I would also have some patience for the fact that we are going to want to know how is it going to be? And schools are not going to be able to say with certainty exactly what it's going to look like because we want to provide as much flexibility as we can. Um, if we were to have a uniform approach, then that would mean everyone would be safeguarding the way you might in Gaiman, where they have hundreds of people with COVID and there's an outbreak. We don't need to do that. If we can be nimble and flexible and willing to understand that we may start one way, and then we will communicate as school leaders to our, to our parents and to our faculty that it's time to adjust. And um, we do not need to be ruled by fear. This is a virus that is airborne more than it is about contact. Uh, surfaces. However, washing our hands and keeping our hands from our faces is going to be one of the best ways to protect yourself and others. And wearing masks helps as well. And the data is actually showing that that can reduce transmission um, at a much higher rate than was originally expected when our state epidemiologists gave um, guidance back in March. We now have many, many weeks, and we will have even more by the time school starts. So I would just try to have a little bit more of um, patience and um, underscore to our, our own children the need to think of others and to know that this is temporary, this isn't permanent, but that we want to be able to have the least amount of disruption And if we do some of these things, it can mean that our life can return to normal sooner.
0: That's absolutely right. Well, thank you so much for taking time today to explain the state of our public schools and talk about how we can all work together to make the return to school this fall as successful as it can be for students and teachers and parents alike.
1: Thank you so much. It's great to be with you, Erin.
0: Thank you everyone for watching. Join us next time on Raising OKC
1: Kids.